Great news, everybody. Major League Baseball and the Players Association are going to be negotiating or something some point soon, maybe, possibly. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. The news blast of the day in the sport came from Bob Nightingale of USA Today, reaffirming multiple reports from the previous week that said that the owners and the players will be meeting again in some form, you know, whenever. Only he attached a semi-solid timeline to it by saying it'll happen within the next couple of weeks. The only reason I'm wasting my time or yours in sharing this is to underscore the significant, and I feel purposeful, lack of urgency to these talks. Everything about Rob Manfred's machinations to date has suggested that he wants to shut down part of spring training, even part of the season, in order to use the one greatest bit of leverage that he's got against the players, and that is keeping them from playing. If they don't play, they lose out on portions of their career. If they don't play, they lose out on portions of their pay. It's always, always the biggest anvil hanging over their heads. And he knows that. And for however lousy of a commissioner he's been, and he has been a lousy commissioner, He's also a lawyer, first and foremost a lawyer, and he's going to get that. He's going to understand it. And that's where this is headed. You're going to see enough of a part of something chewed up so that it makes headlines and it puts some pressure on the rank and file. Not the top guys at the union. They live for this. This is what they're paid for. Not their lawyers. Heck, the longer this goes on, the more money they make. Where you have to win is at the player level. The NFL has had this figured out for years. It's surprising to me that other leagues haven't picked up on this. The NFL not only deals directly at the player level, but they do so at the lowest player level. When the NFL wants to get ratification of a contract, the NFL puts out proposals that hugely favor the lower-paid guys, the special teamers, the kickers, the punters, the long snappers. And they all offer those guys like double their current salary, pension benefits, and everything else because it's all still way cheaper than finding more ways to pay more Aaron Rodgers types. It's a great tactic. And baseball's never really even tried to apply it. Well, this might be that time. Because this is the first era in my lifetime where player salaries among the so-called middle class have shrunk over the last decade, and they've shrunk significantly. 
yeah, the Bryce Harper types keep making more and more and more. But the middle class guys are the ones that pay the price. Most of baseball's other labor issues, as it relates to players, are right there in that same category. Super 2, arbitration, staying with a team for six years before you become a free agent, all that stuff. It sits right in that same area. So if the owners and if Manfred are smart, and I'm not presuming this to be fact, they'll do this in a way that applies pressure or at least maybe tries to curry favor is probably a better way to phrase this, with that middle class. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone and You do the rest. It's a ton of fun. It's a great meal. And it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. So what does any of this have to do with my unending spiel regarding salary caps? Well, as I've been saying from the beginning, the term itself is a total non-starter. Even In the three reports that I read yesterday, all of which described Major League Baseball's coming economic proposal and everything else that they're going to have to discuss in structural phrasing that was built off a salary cap type system, no one will even use the two words. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. Try a Google search. With these people's names, the most prominent baseball writers in the country, they won't touch it with a 30-foot pole. But what they're describing is still that. When they say competitive balance tax, when it's put into play the way the owners described in their initial proposal with a 180 ceiling and a 100 floor, that's a cap system. It's what the NBA uses. The NBA doesn't really use the term that much either, but that's what it is. But, again, if the owners and Manfred are smart, they'll also recognize that they might be able to give the players a lot of what it is that they currently want, which are some items that I've already mentioned, notably the earlier free agency and so forth. They might do that, and they might sound magnanimous in doing so. But if the players in return agree to the salary floor system, when it's the one thing that both sides completely concur that has to be addressed, that they need to get teams like the Pirates up to $100 million, Then they get that as well. So what ends up happening? What ends up happening if baseball ends up arranging something in this spirit where there's a 
a semi-pseudo-luxury tax cap system, whatever, whatever it is that anybody wants to call it. And the players also get a lot of what they want. How does that, how does that make the game fairer? Well, the answer is it doesn't. But you got to go bigger picture on this. You got to go bigger picture on this sort of thing all the time. And stretching a little bit away from the usual headlines, there was word yesterday that Apple and Major League Baseball are negotiating rights to roughly 90 games per season, shown Monday through Wednesday nights, to be broadcast only through Apple TV. Now, there was no dollar figure attached. They haven't agreed to terms or anything like that. But if you look at a deal that Amazon signed with the NFL, I understand football's different, but Amazon got the NFL a billion dollars for 18 games. A billion with a B. And ESPN, not all that long ago, signed something with Major League Baseball for X number of games, including some special events, that was in the $700 million range. So there's a lot of money being thrown in the direction of Major League Baseball by these streaming providers. The reason for that is obvious. They need to get you, the consumer, to cross the line. They need to get you on their streaming service. And the way to do that is to force you basically at gunpoint. Last Thursday night, the Penguins against the Flyers in Philadelphia offered a chance for the Penguins to win their 10th game in a row, which they did. I was out there covering it. And it was only available to streaming audiences on ESPN+. Plus. It drove people crazy. What am I doing here? Why do I have to do this? Blah, blah, blah. Why isn't it just on my regular channel? Why? Because this is where the money is going. This is where the eyeballs are going. And... To repeat it for emphasis, it's where the money is going. The more of these streaming services get involved in broadcasting rights across sports, but including Major League Baseball, the more the money gets distributed evenly by nature. You don't need to go back to the union and negotiate how much money can be distributed evenly among all 30 teams because that's just the way it's happening. There's no way the Yankees would get more of a cut of the Apple contract than the Pirates would. So all you have to assure in the ongoing labor discussion is that the union does in fact agree to a minimum payroll along with a reasonable maximum so that there's at least a framework of something that looks and sounds like a fair economic system. From there, the revenue sharing takes care of itself, and your one greatest concern, which is that owners like Bob Nutting won't just take the Apple money and run. That makes sense now? What a convoluted segment that was. When we come back, just one question.
Welcome back. Time for just one question. Today's comes from Clay McInerney who asks, what does spring training look like if it's only those players not on the 40-man roster? Would they start sooner than usual for minors or would they hold Grapefruit League games? Clay, the answers to that is that nobody knows right now. However, however, the Pirates do control actively the rights to all the players in their system who are not in the 40-man. That's how they've been able to conduct these couple of uh, get-better-at-baseball camps, which is what they've somewhat humorously been calling them down in Bradenton. They were supposed to have another one this month, but it got canceled because of COVID concerns. They can, and I'm sure will, when you get to late February, and grapefruit ball is supposed to start, it won't, but it's supposed to start on February 26th, you can have those players in at Pirate City. You can conduct a camp as you normally would. Where it gets shaky, to say the least, is when it comes to grapefruit ball and anything where they're representing the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, I emphasize that because if you think about what grapefruit ball is and what Cactus League ball is, it's the major league teams playing against each other in a month's worth of exhibitions. What you're not going to see, take this to the bank, is the Pirates dressing a team of prospects and heading on up to, I keep wanting to say McKechnie, it, whatever they call it now, look, Lecom Park, and heading up there and hosting the Orioles from down in Sarasota and playing as if there was nothing amiss. That's not going to happen because what ends up going on then is that those players, those minor league players, look like they're crossing the line because they're broaching into major league revenue territory, et cetera, et cetera. So you will see minor league players in camp. You will see minor league camp conducted as normal. That's always been at Pirate City. For anybody who doesn't know, by the way, the stadium and the Pirate City complex are in two completely different parts of Bradenton. So you'll see the Indianapolis contingent, you'll see the Altoona contingent, and so forth, working within their own groups and levels at Pirate City. From there, would the minor league season start early? No, you can't do that. Dude, they got to come up here you know it's cold they'll follow all the minor league schedules as they've been set up already so i appreciate the question again as we get closer you're gonna be getting into more and more of this kind of thing and wow we'll see right i appreciate that i appreciate everybody listening to daily shot of pirates let's do another one tomorrow